this is a letter that many of you signed. Many of my fellow Democrats, I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. This 102 people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. The, the, the charges in this, and, and by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, to Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson, as the chairman referred to. It is the basis for democracy. It sets us apart from all of the previous forms of government. We need to be able to talk, and, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly polit political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, and writer and teacher Jessica. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and on Instagram and just his Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Please subscribe, rate, review, uh, turn on your notifications and, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, today we're joined uh, with uh, grassroots organizer, uh, uh, Michael Kane, longtime grassroots organizer. Since we've last had him here, it was, it, it was very exciting and very, um, we had a very animated discussion with you last time, Michael, <laughs> and it was, we've missed you here. So now we're back. And for those who don't know you, you're the grassroots organizer for the American Values of 2024 uh, Super PAC, uh, which people can find on online as AmericanValues2024.org. Uh, and Michael, you were, were formerly uh, the national for the organizer for Ch children's health defense, uh, um, health defense, and you were also the founder of TeachersForChoice.org, and the lead plaintiff in Kane versus De Blasio, having been denied a religious exemption request and appeal. Correct. That's correct. Yes. So we're excited to have you because we're going to have a discussion on the elections and, in particular, RFK Jr. and everything around that and um, see where this discussion takes us. But first of all, why don't you share with us, how are you? What's been going on since we've last spoken with you? Yeah, Just yeah it's been a while. I mean, it's yeah. been a year and a half, two years. I don't even know. We, we talked <laughs> earl, earlier on, uh, two years, yeah, uh, Andy says, earlier on in the pandemic, uh, we've stayed in touch electronically and email since that time. You know, a lot has gone on. Um, we... Um, you know, we, we, in, in, I'm in New York. I lived in New York City. We put a real big force uh, against medical mandates here. A number of things happened. You know, we rallied thousands of people at City Hall in New York City. We got thousands of people in Albany, the capital of New York. And then uh, in uh, early 2022, 40,000 people in Washington, D.C. I helped to, to organize that behind the scenes with Defeat the Mandates. Um, then the convoy came in Canada. There was a convoy across the country that I covered um, for chd.tv. Um, and, you know, we've kind of turned the corner to where we're on the offensive with this. And it's not that everything's been cleaned up or anything at all, but um, it's a brand new day in 2023 compared to what we were dealing with in 2020 and 2021. Um a lot of people have woken up to like, what, what is going on here? Uh, people are questioning the entire 
CDC vaccine schedule. Uh, one I saw one poll where 30% of parents were questioning the schedule. I think that was 3% just three or four years ago. It was, it was minuscule. And so we're in a totally new paradigm. Um, I'm still with Teachers for Choice. Uh, doing, we were actually just at the courthouse uh, just a few days ago for another a new lawsuit that we have going called DeCapua versus City of New York, seeking to certify the very first class, very first class action in New York City for fired workers, um, and it's it's going positive. We go back to court on on August fourteenth, um, and my work has taken me to a place where. Um, I was recruited to uh, join this PAC, uh, American Values 2024, to help get Bobby Kennedy elected president. And um, I got uh, the blessing for it from all the people in medical freedom who I felt I needed the blessing for. I love children's health defense. I, I imagine I might be back there uh, one day. Um, but right now, you know, for, so... I'll just I'll just kind of put it like this because this is how it makes the most sense to me. A lot of people told me whatever it was 10, 16 years ago, I don't even remember. They had to be able to tell their children they voted for the first black president with Barack Obama. It was it was it resonated in them. It was something I didn't feel that I didn't like Obama just for my own reasons. You know, from what I saw, I didn't really trust what we were being sold about him. But but I respected that from what people were saying. I, I understood where they were coming from. Um, I I have to be able to tell my sons when they grow up, I voted for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president. And to be able to tell them I put every ounce of energy into making that happen resonates with me very similarly, similarly to the way I think the ideas that I just said about Barack Obama resonated with many, many people that I knew. So, um, you know, it's it's in alignment with me. I think it is the, the right thing. And the narrative that we've seen break into the mainstream media already for medical freedom fighters like ourselves is just remarkable. I just want to just, I mean, just to earlier today, actually, as we're recording this, uh, he there was congressional hearings where into the congressional record, he discussed how there was there's never been uh, a placebo controlled pre licensure study for any vaccine. Um, he uh, was on News Nation recently, where he confronted a pediatrician about the CDC vaccine schedule, and for 13 minutes went into the danger of the DTP vaccine, not given in America anymore, banned here, but given in Africa very very regularly as well as how the varicella vaccine has led to shingles outbreaks. Uh, there was one tweet from that from, I think, Chief Nerd. It's been viewed over 19 million times on Twitter from one tweet. So these are things we, we haven't seen before. We haven't seen a lot of these issues that I've seen discussed you know, for, for 20 years in the corners of the internet or on um, you know various alternative shows and podcasts. Now we're breaking mainstream. So uh, to me, it's a it's very exciting. No matter no matter what happens in the election itself, um, what I've already seen happen in the mainstream narrative is something, you know, I didn't know if I'd ever see. So um, it's it's exciting times for me right now. Yeah, uh, you know, you've you've done so much. I don't think you've realized how far you've reached, even to our show personally. And before we even follow up with anything that you've you've just touched on. I just wanted to have give Jess a chance to share something because it's actually the reason why she's here. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah. So I was just saying to Andy and Eduardo when Andy said like, oh yeah, Michael's coming on. Well first of all, super stoked to meet you because I've been following 
think I was following Teachers for Choice like pretty early days because um, I was over in Seattle teaching at University of Washington and just going berserk, like feeling like I was the only educator in the whole Pacific Northwest who was against the lockdowns and then the mandates when they came. So I knew who you were and I was like just super inspired by your organizing efforts. And yeah, I totally agree with Eduardo. Like, I think all of us, like, not even just in the anti-mandate space, but just organizers in general have a ton to, to learn from you. And um, yeah, it's just been cool to see the progress. But it's there's also a weird connection to what's left. Um, because you I watched your episode on what's left. That was the first time I had ever encountered what's left because I was following your like, blog or email posts or whatever. And so I was like, Oh, I'll watch Michael on this show. And so that was how I first encountered these two. And then right. eventually they had me on and then now here I am as a, a co-host. Oh, so that's great. yeah, you're it. literally the reason that I joined. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. That's a great story. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Plus, um, when we were doing our first round here, um, Eduardo had thought it was uh, student uh, workers and students for choice in New York. And I was like, no, that's our group. We're called Workers and Students for Choice. But the reason we started our group, Michael, is it, it came as really as a result of, of of that interview we had with you. Is like we really felt and were kind of like, we need to start doing something like this now. And I know it wasn't just the episode. You had followed up with me and kind of said, Y'all gotta get started on that. And I think do think it was it was central towards us starting that group. So the reason this group exists that, that that group exists today and it's been it's been a lifeline for people who felt very isolated yeah. um, i don't know if we've done the kind of organizing you guys have done in fact i don't, I would say we haven't but what it has been is a place uh that people who were isolated could come and talk about their situation i do think we helped a few people work through mandate drama at work and things like that um and the la folk yeah we helped and the la folk people a lot. in california i think we've done a pretty good job of that and maintain connections with people in New Mexico, the National Coalition for Health Integrity. So um, I do feel like you've you've had a big impact on on our organizing around us. So I appreciate that. And it's good to yeah, that's, be back. That's... And you know, like you had reached out to me about like, hey, Andy, uh, what do you think about RFK Jr.? And I was like, I'm not planning on voting for this person. And you were like, <laughs> wait, what? And then out of that text, you were like, let's do this. Let's let's have a discussion here. Yeah. Um, because you're clearly passionate about that and I'm passionate about where I'm coming from and let's just see what it leads to. And that's where I hope yeah. you can do convince, today. Well, maybe, I don't know. I want to speak for Eduardo, but if you can convince me and Andy to vote for RFK <laughs> Jr., you're like, you're golden. You can get anyone. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll, see. well yeah. e even, e you know, whatever it is, like this discussion will definitely reach other people. And even though we are, we're always fighting the algorithms on YouTube, we still have on other platforms, eight other platforms. And it's very important for, I think, people to make up their own minds. And I yes. think that's what you'll bring to the table. So whatever we challenge you on is going to be a question that they probably have on Michael and, you know, things that, you know, the recent, even the recent uh, interviews that Kennedy has had on, I, I would like to ask you about um, regarding um, everything. I, I will get there. We'll yeah. get there. But, but that's what this, in, this discussion is intended to for our audience as well. Anyhow, uh, Andy, did you want to start off? Or well, should I? Or? I think, I guess I would say first, Michael, what, is there anything, what I heard you say is how he's shifting the narrative, narrative in, in the right direction. Um, mm. And um, that was what I heard most in terms of you being excited. And I heard very much how, you, you know, you are inspired. 
you feel very much like you need to make this vote. Is there anything else you want to say to our audience and to us about like why you've chosen to get so so involved, you know, really involved in his campaign? Well, so I mean, I um, I get I get you know I got the burn like like the Bernie burn. I got it. For, you know, I got the Bobby burn. You know, I, I and so I'm like, oh, this is what people were talking about. You know, when when that when that whole thing happened, and so I I, I'm, I definitely have that. You know, definitely. Um, you know, idealistic in, in a lot of sense and, and and such. And, you know, I think I think he is the Bernie uh, of this election. You know, we're seeing that we're seeing excitement. We're seeing passion. We're seeing people getting their RVs and throw his face on it and go across the country. And not just one, you know, like we're seeing this sort of this sort of energy that's that's very inspiring. But in terms of electoral politics, um, I, th- I think I think it's important that like for myself, I definitely used to be in a space of not believing in electoral politics at all. Totally believe electoral politics is fixed. There's numerous ways to fix electoral politics, Um, but it's not always possible to fix electoral politics. Uh, The Democratic primary might be the most rigged election outside of a banana republic, actually. You know, it it really might be, you know, so and and I'm aware of that. So. But in New York, as we were doing all of our organizing, um, one of the things I think we've all learned in America is just how important our governors are. After this COVID thing, all of a sudden we saw these governors making these little, especially in deep blue states, making these fiefdoms where all of a sudden no elected officials mattered and you had a king or a queen that was doing this stuff. And, And we still push back in New York, thousands of us. And uh, Andrew Cuomo gets dethroned. He gets he gets through a Me Too scandal, even though the real scandal was the nursing home scandal. Was all uh, the t- thousands upon thousands of of elderly folk that he was responsible for killing for putting active COVID cases into the nursing homes, and just it was very interesting because people thought he was untouchable and and, and that that wasn't the case. He he went down in in, in a, basically a Me Too scandal. Um, and then came Kathy Hochul, and she was this um, lieutenant governor that just ascends up because since he's gone, she has to take. And as she's um, coming into her first elected term here in New York, we're like, she's as bad or worse than Cuomo. And it got scary. And it got so scary, I did something I never did. I voted for a Republican. And not only did I vote for a Republican, I got out big time and volunteered for the Republican named Lee Zeldin. Um, and we we were in the streets with, um, you know, pretty conservative, um, somewhat Trump-aligned uh, Republican from, from New York, who uh, we went to the Caribbean Day Parade in Brooklyn with him. We went to the African-American Day Parade in Harlem with him. And we and there was people that were out with him you would never expect <laughs> to be out with this guy. And he didn't win, um, but um, he came within 300,000 votes, which actually is there. It's the, it was the closest election in New York history in like the past 30 years. It's the closest that a Republican had came. But more importantly, what he did do is he carried four additional Republican seats on his back in New York, which ended up flipping Congress. And in New York, it is known and accepted for people that follow this, that medical freedom, the medical freedom vote played a big role in that, played a big role in Zeldin coming as close as he did, and in flipping four seats, including um, uh, this guy, Mike Lawler, who 
they call him a dragon slayer. It's a term they use in Congress that if you're a rookie and you beat a real big bad opponent, and he did, he beat, he beat, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the Democrat that controlled the purse strings for campaigns in New York. So effectively, this guy could have given himself as much money as he wanted, but still he he lost. And he lost, um, you know, it was a close margin. It was a few percentage points, but he lost. And one of the things we're seeing is that these Republicans are welcoming us in their offices. Um, recently, we had a scandal about this thing in New York City for New York City teachers called problem codes. And the problem code was put onto all unvaccinated teachers. Now, that problem code is the same code they put on teachers accused of pedophilia or beating a student. They It was scarlet letter. And guess what? Makes it hard to find jobs. Some people couldn't get jobs because of that. Well, so through Children's Health Defense, when I worked with them, um, the then President Mary Holland wrote a letter to the New York Congress people and and, and the Republican delegation responded and wrote to New York City saying, you need to answer these questions. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, this is like unheard of. You know what I mean? During COVID, it was unheard of. But but what I just learned in that process is, yeah, elections are rigged. Uh, yeah, uh, not every vote counts the way it should. Um, but when you show up in force, you really can change things. If you can move a big group, a perfect example in South Brooklyn, South Brooklyn is turning red in New York City. Um, and the reason why is they're having up to 65% voter turnout. That's crazy. That, does, that doesn't really happen. You have 20%, 30%, 40%. It's like, whoa, a lot of people come up. They have 65% of their voters coming out as a large Russian population as it happens to be in South Brooklyn. And they're saying, we're not dealing with this. And you're seeing Democrats turn Republicans in South Brooklyn because they're realizing if I want to still be elected. So all of this stuff caught my attention. At first, I'm just a grassroots organizer. I'm just a fired teacher. I'm just pushing for medical freedom. I'm not getting this shot no matter what. Lost my job. You know, so much was on the line as, as all of us like, no. But then as I moved into these more political spaces, um, I was surprised that you can make a difference in this way it, it, through the vote. Um, I, I don't agree with everything a lot of these people I went and campaigned for. I did not agree. Barely 50% of Lee Zeldin's platform, I probably agreed with. You know, there was at least half of his platform, maybe more I didn't agree with, but he was on point on medical freedom and what happened to us and being fired. So um, that's what got me excited. And then from out of nowhere, Bobby Kennedy throws his hat in the ring. And I don't agree with everything Bobby Kennedy's doing either, but it's way more than 50% in terms of what it is. So that got me very excited to be like, yeah, I, I can really kind of be all in on this one, despite some of the differences that I have with with some of his platform. Andy or Jesse, or I could ask a question. You're um, mute. Maybe just the one question I was going to ask you, and I think you might have answered it by, by saying you would you would campaign with a Republican. Hmm. Um, was would it have mattered to you? And this would it have mattered to you if RFK Jr. had run as a Republican versus being as a Democrat? Would you still have gotten behind his campaign just to get one hundred percent? Yeah, so yeah, one hundred percent. The the party meant nothing to me. Right. Me means nothing to yeah. me. Actually, that's an that's a whole interesting topic on its own in terms of who knows what's going to happen there. I have very little faith in, in Democratic primaries. We, we've seen. I mean, the Supreme Court has come out. Not the Supreme Court. Federal court has come out and basically said they're a private organization. 
Uh, I think the DNC's lawyer argued we can pick our candidates smoking cigars in the back room because actually I think that's on record uh, that we're a private organization, you know, and when they tried to appeal the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. So um, so I, I'm, I'm no fan of the Democratic Party, especially the DNC. Um, it, it didn't matter to me if he ran independent. I would be backing him as well, too, because of how much of the platform uh, I support. That's it for me. Well, I guess then let's let's get into RFK Jr. If you if you are to say he is like I, I, I for most people listening to us, we've had gone through a very dramatic point where a lot of politicians were very uh, giving up on they, they just were all for this whole lockdown situation a lot of them were and he stood out and he's he stood out uh, as you mentioned in uh, the things that he's done and and i i was very much um inspired even just by the children's health defense uh i i really was listening pay attention it was very hard to stay up to date with anything outside of the censorship uh, of google and anything that you were trying to look up online and so, um, I, and now I see he is being villainized and in, in the media around uh, the conspiracists and the anti-vaxxer and all these things. What if you could say some, to some of the NPR statements or the New York Times or anything that's being said about uh, uh, RFK Jr.? What can you say that is a rebuttal to some of the things he has said, such as Wi-Fi causes cancer or antidepressants are causing uh, children to blame for school shootings or anything around his appearance with Twitter, uh, Elon Musk um, and uh, chemicals and water supply turning children to transgender? Like these are the things that are coming up in the mainstream media. And I and I know this is going to come up, and in and 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 now that you're working as part of this 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 pack, I, I'm sure it's going to come up even for you. So I want to give you a chance to be able to rebuttal some of those things, if you may. Yeah, I I, th I think the 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 most important. Well, uh, you know, being with the pack, I'm not with the campaign, so I don't speak for the campaign. You know, all right, yeah, we we are separate efforts, but yeah, um, I think the number one thing is almost all of these statements are just lies. They're lies. They're fabrications. They're they're spinning things off, um, and that's that's one of the challenges I think Bobby's going to be facing is how to get his very nuanced and detailed message out in the world of the the five second soundbite, right? You know, because he doesn't really fit into that. He fits much better into a long form interview where where he could talk for a long time and go through 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 all the the, the nuance. But there's just so many of these things where they come, uh, you know, he he did not say um, that uh, drugs are causing kids to go into these uh, wild shooting rage, rages. What he said is that there is indication that it might be involved and we need to study it. Why isn't the NIH doing these studies? Why aren't they looking to see what else is involved in this? A very similar thing with talking about drugs, the turning children transgender. That's not what he said. What he referenced was a scientific study that talked about frogs that were exposed to a specific environmental toxin and they were, their genes were changing. And a few of them even did actually change their gender. This happened in, in a scientific study. And then he's then saying, we need to look at that in you because we know the same stuff is in humans, is in children now. So um, this type of, you know, looking at science, um, uh, coming up with questions, being inquisitive, and saying that the the the, the bodies like the NIH, the FDA, the CDC, uh, a lot of which that taxpayer dollars go to, 
should answer these questions instead of just being, uh, you know, front groups for big pharma, which which basically they are uh, at this point in time. So that's the first thing. I, th- I think that's largely what the mainstream media is doing. Um, the, the, they're lying or at least skewing things to a point uh, to make him look crazy or make him look like he's saying things he's not really saying. Um, the next thing I would say is this is the most fascinating thing to me. It seems to me the mainstream media and the mainstream Democratic Party now has a, a strategy that, okay, we can't really censor him. We will a little bit. But, I mean, he's been on all the major platforms. Conservative media is bringing him on whenever they want, right? I mean, like Fox News, Newsmax, they're like, come on in. They're, they're giving him wide audience to talk to. So the other stations kind of feel like we need to do something here. They just want to focus on vaccines, 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 vaccines. And I think what they're betting on, it's a risky bet, is that if we just keep hitting the anti-vaxxer line, we're going to hurt him and we're not going to let him become a true candidate. He's going to be that single issue candidate. And most people think he's crazy on this vaccine issue. So let's just pound and pound and pound and pound on there. And then it's not even letting him get to the rest of his platform. I think that's a risky bet though, post-COVID. I think you have a lot more people that are, are, are questioning and looking into it more. And now that they can find Bobby Kennedy easier, um, he's all over the place now, which is which blows my mind, right? I mean, a year ago, he was nowhere, right? <laughs> you Just like you were saying, the, the algorithms and the censorship, we couldn't find him. We only knew if you followed his website and actually, you know, we're in the loop. But now he's everywhere. So I think it's fascinating. Um, who knows if that strategy is going to work? Uh, I don't think it is going to work. And I think they're going to shift gears to something else. And I definitely don't underestimate the mainstream media, the Democratic Party, the national security state um, as a whole as well, too. The last thing I want to say on that is, is, is that a, a little on the side, but I believe the national security state wants to see um, Biden v. Trump, too you know, like Rocky Tooth or like the sequel. You know, I believe that's what they want to see. I, I believe those are the known entities. Uh even if um even if Trump isn't completely in line with what what the the national security state agenda is, even if he can't be entirely controlled. Um I think he was controlled quite a bit. I think he fell in line to a lot of things. Um and I think that's what what ultimately uh, is desired. They they want to see that see that um, pop up again. And I definitely don't underestimate with their power and money and ability to um, whip up the propaganda machines and and other things as well too. Uh, I don't underestimate that foe at all. They're extremely formidable. Yeah. And Eduardo, I do want to get to like hearing from Jessica myself, and and then maybe let's see if Jessica has a question, and then let's make hear Jessica make her case. I mean, I don't really disagree with a whole lot of what you said. So uh, do we want to just jump in? Because I, I kind of want to like say our pieces and then hear yeah, your reply. That's what Great. I want to, I'm, I'm just eager to kind of get to that. Let's do it. That's and great. I also want to know if Eduardo's planning to vote in. <laughs> and if so, who for? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess in short, I'll try to be kind of concise. I'm not, I'm not planning to vote period. And I'm not planning to vote for RFK Jr. at this point. Um, And I guess there's sort of like two overarching reasons why that's my current position. One is kind of like the, I guess, like within the system, like the issues themselves, micro. So I can kind of touch on that. 
but then like the real reason is is more of like the macro and how I view the system functioning overall. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned the the Bernie Burn or the Bobby Burn now, like <laughs> I was a I was a Bernie bro. Uh I campaigned for Bernie not once but twice. Um and yeah, I just feel like I mean you you'd completely acknowledge this, but like after what happened to Bernie in the last couple elections, I think anybody running as a Democrat specifically, um, has pretty much like consented to an unfair fight and a stacked set of rules. Um and I'm yeah, like the the first time I was kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess, maybe from a naive position, but after the second time, I was pissed. I felt really betrayed. I felt like my energy had been harvested, my money, my time. Um yeah. So yeah, like within within the system, like if I if I wasn't a vote, like the issues that I would be assessing, um Israel and Palestine, like I know that's kind of been in the media a little bit in terms of our RFK's like some statements he's made and then backtracking and stuff like that. Um that was a huge red flag for me just because that's a really important issue, although not I don't really think it's very surprising, like coming from somebody who's like a lifelong Democrat. But I mean, the vaccination issue, right, like, as you said, Michael gets the most attention. And I guess I'm in a weird, maybe I'm in the minority in this sense, but I don't, I don't view RFK Jr. as anti-vax. I like, like you said, he actually has like a very nuanced position for years. Like he's been comparing the idea of like, making safe vaccines, like getting mercury out of fish, right? Like, that's like a, a comparison that he makes all the time. Um, which maybe like for a lot of voters that would, if they were actually able to sit down and hear his, his stance, which is basically he wants safe vaccines, uh, and like better oversight and better regulation. And he wants the harmful adjuvants out. Um, maybe for a lot of voters, like that would, that would be a good thing for me. Like I'm actually anti-vax. Um, so for me, like he's not even on that issue, if I was a single issue voter like he's not radical enough for me um i kind of everybody should read um i could never say his name it's like uh romeo kijano i think he wrote this article in 2019 why um it's like why why vaccination is the most deceptive tool of imperialism something like that i forget the exact title that article along with like some other sources was kind of my uh, what made me shift from viewing vaccination as like a personal choice that if you want to get it, great. I don't want to get it, but that's, that's fine to being like truly anti-vaccination. Um, and to me, like the fact that RFK is completely kind of, in my opinion, bought into the whole field of virology and just allopathic, like medical industrial complex paradigm in general. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think we need tighter FDA regulations or like safer vaccines. I just think the whole system <laughs> the crock bullshit um so the vaccine like issue doesn't doesn't sway me um the climate stuff is a bit i mean like i've been a long time sort of environmentalist and i know that's a label that is often applied to rfk and self-applied um but to me like his um history of sort of climate activism is is actually a huge red flag as well i think he's pretty much down with the whole climate agenda, environmental capture, like nonprofit industrial complex, um, which, I mean, he doesn't use the language of like SDGs and agenda 2030 and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he knows he's, he's a lawyer. He's not stupid. Right. Um, but to me, like, I don't, I don't see any evidence that he's not 
like down for all of the sort of fake green technological environmental solutions. Um, I think we've talked about in uh, Workers and Students for Choice, like how his partnership with um, Vantage Point, right? Like if you've read any of Alison McDowell's work, of course, like you understand how a venture capital firm like um, that one is is just, you know, all tied up in, in human capital markets and impact investing and blockchain and carbon trading and financialization of nature, all, you know, all this sort of four-hour stuff that um, the freedom movement is like supposedly against, at least, um, oh, well, I'll just say like what's left has been critical of. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I could go on with like more issues to me. Like, I don't, I don't view it as like a purity test, but yeah, like, I'm not saying RFK has never done anything good in his life. I, I admit, like I sometimes listen to him and I sometimes really like what he has to say. Uh, I will also admit to the fact that it can be really entertaining to see how like wildly the media and the mainstream politicians kind of freak out about his stances on certain stuff. Um, but ultimately, like within within that system, I do see him as like lesser of two or I guess however many <laughs> evils. Um, and to me, it just feels like we've been here before. Yeah, it's not different. And I'm not like down to get sucked back into it. Um, then there's a the sort of macro level, which is just the, like I have come to see the whole system as being broken by design. Right. And again, like kind of you acknowledge this, Michael. Um, but yeah, like the house always wins. It's never the people. And I think the idea that like someone who's actually legitimately radical or like will disturb the current paradigm, political paradigm, um, could like A, get into the master's house and B, that they would actually be able to change the system from within. To me, like that is an illusion. And I think like whether, whether or not we vote, I don't think it's the people who will get to decide like how much of a platform RFK gets or like how far he goes in this primary race. Cause I don't view the elections as belonging to us. Um, I think like if he, if RFK is for us, there's no way he stands a chance. The DNC and, and just houses of power in general will cheat, right? Like in however many ways that they need to cheat in order to stamp him out. If he does actually get deep into the race or even get like a higher level of coverage besides just being smeared, which is what a lot of the coverage currently amounts to, that to me will be an indicator that he's not actually on our side and or he's being kind of like weaponized to like sheepdog, you know, a, basically a, a shit ton of energy and, and organizing power and people who might otherwise like completely reject electoral politics altogether right back into this system that kind of keeps them, keeps them down. So yeah, I guess um, maybe I'll leave it there. Like just, I would throw out like the idea of him potentially being a, just a tool by which to like weaponize, weaponize democracy, like democracy in quotations and, and harvest our energy and attention and kind of distract us from, stepping into real like authentic self-responsibility which to me means like walking away from the master's house and swimming across the river and like building a life and community and system that we actually want and and deserve yeah okay that's that's my (laughs) that's my my, uh, stump speech 
Very good. Fair enough, for sure. Um, how do we want to do this? Um, I think should I respond to that. Should I wait to you, Andy? Yeah, you should. You should respond as either okay. questions or like respond any way you would like, given your yeah. own passion about his candidacy. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we'll we'll go to me, and then you respond, and then we'll go to Eduardo, and you respond, okay. and then we'll see where we're. Like, it's like high school high school debate team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, um, yeah, so Jessica, I, I think that's a, a fair and well thought out response. I, I, I think that's a place I've been most of my life. Uh, you know, I, there's many elections I, uh, I sat out. I, I didn't get into the electoral college system seems like a crock to me. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a bunch of things like I'm in New York and it's like, you know, blue or red. And it's like nobody cares about New York. New York is is going blue like that. That's it. Like <laughs> it's not. So. uh you know, on the national level. And I got more inspired by local level elections because like one person, one vote seemed actually to to be somewhat of a thing there. Um, but um in 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 terms of your critique of of Bobby Kennedy, um, by no means am I backing Bobby because I think he's a perfect candidate or a perfect person. Um and and I don't think that anybody is. And I think that that is something from a realist level and 45 year old me can get into where when I was 25, I kind of couldn't, you know, um, it, I, I wasn't able to see that, but I've seen him in 18 years, um, make a lot of sacrifice, uh, because of some moms who had injured children that caught his ear with good science. I, over 18 years, he's lost friends. He's lost business. Uh, he's lost esteem and prestige. Um, and he's been censored horribly. He's had problems within his own family over this that, that are that are very real things. Um, so I've I've seen him suffer in, in his own way for something that that he believes in. And I am largely a single issue voter. Uh the, the idea of medical freedom is too big. Um January of 2022, I mean, the moment for me was Austria made it illegal to walk, walk the streets unvaccinated. And that was the that was the real peak of all of this to me. And then that's also defeat the mandates and it's the, the Canadian convoy. And then it all kind of backs down from there. But like, I remember where we can go and probably are still headed in a different way, right? The vaccine game got kind of destroyed. They really, really, they, the COVID is supposed to be the keys of the king, key, keys to the kingdom. For, for the vaccine industry. And it, it it's not, it, they really messed up. Um, but we still have, you know, dig, a digital fencing grid and we have digital ID and, and there's multiple ways that they're going to get this thing in and they're working towards. Um, I disagree with you in terms of Bobby Kennedy on environmentalism. I feel like COVID, and if you watch his narrative, I feel like COVID really changed him. Um, I feel like he very much, I think you're correct. And when you, if you want to look back in 2015, 2018 and earlier at some of the comments he made, uh, yeah, I think he was very much very mainstream, non-profit environmentalism um, talk, you know, carbon credits uh, and, and and a whole bunch of other things that um, that we definitely need to be very, very wary of. But now currently when you hear him speak, and I don't at all think that this is just rhetoric. I think COVID really made him rethink everything about this. Um, he is not into environmentalism or um, climate change weaponized against the middle class and the working class. 
He's he's not into that. He does believe global warming is a real thing, that there's real science to it, and we need to pay attention to that. But he does not believe we need to um, slaughter animals and take farmers' lands from them in order to deal with this. You know, he doesn't believe that we need uh, a Green New Deal. That includes sensors all over the place taking all of our data and, and you know, uh, having a, a whole surveillance system from um, smart meters to our toaster, right? He he does not believe in those things. Um, and and I feel he's made statements to that, and I believe he will continue to. Um, and I feel very confident that that's not the direction. He he does believe in renewable energy. Um, I think a lot of what he says there is, and and the main thing he says about that is he believes free free market capitalism take away subsidies and free market capitalism will determine what's the best energy source. Um, that subsidizing the nuclear industry, subsidizing the fossil fuel industry is the wrong way to go. Let it be a true uh, free market. He does believe in free markets, you know, um, and um, I, I tend to, you know, I don't know 110% what I think there, but I'm not dogmatic on that. You know, I think there are times that um, the state needs to be involved. And I think there are times that you do need to have uh, free markets. My favorite free market is the farmer's market. So um, I, 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 I am I am open to a lot of different things. And then also in terms of that, um, I've been reading Bobby's book, American Values, which is about the history of his family. I think it was published 2018, I, I believe. And just learning a lot about the history of his family. And you can see a lot of his policies go back to He's obsessed with his family and knowing what his family did and such. And his grandfather was the first SEC uh, chairman. When the SEC was first started, his grandfather was in that position with FDR and made a lot of big industry enemies, especially um, in the oil industry, but in other places as well, too. And Bobby has this firm view that these regulatory agencies must limit the greed and the incessant growth of free market capitalism. And that's what they need to be there, but they've been captured. And that's the one, one piece he knows better than anybody else. He knows how the EPA has been captured. He knows how the CDC, the FDA, NIH has been captured. And I believe he can come in and dismantle that. I don't know if he could dismantle the military industrial complex. I don't know if he could dismantle the CIA, as his uncle famously said, you know, smash into a million pieces and scatter it to the winds. Um, I don't know if that's even possible. I mean, about that's the CIA is like a nation within a nation, is in my opinion, it has its whole own thing. And um, I think Bobby has, uh, I agree with Bobby very, very much on the Ukraine war. I think he's really got his finger on the pulse of, of what to do there and what's going on there. But I, I realistically, I don't know if he can dismantle some of the worst facets of the system. And Jessica, I think you have a good good point there. But I do think he can dismantle a lot of this bureaucratic technocracy, especially in the health space. He knows it so well. He's litigated it for such a long time. Uh, I think that really does have to do with firing people, bringing new people in, getting the industry people out. Um, and I am extremely excited about what that can mean um, if he is able to come in and do that. And, and I think there's other areas where he's not going to be able to make big changes or I don't see it myself. I think the biggest point that you made, that's a valid point, I still struggle with, you know, I, and I go, I go back and forth, is on the deep-seated corruption of the American system 
of capitalism, of global capitalism, of the NWO, whatever you want. I don't really like that term, but it doesn't matter. Uh, globalism, whatever it is. Um, I don't like this idea of I don't vote because we must take down the system. And then what are we doing to do that? If you're not doing something there, I feel like the idea of going and voting on one day is is I'm not asking that much from people. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not telling you to dedicate your whole life to this like me necessarily, but I do think if voting didn't matter at all, why would they spend all this time, money, and resources to suppress the votes that they want to suppress, to brainwash people, to cause real election manipulation and blame it on Russia and all this shit that they do? If our one vote really truly didn't matter, why are they doing that? They steal elections. But Democrats, Republicans, National Security State, they all are involved. There, there's there, there's no purity here. There, there's no party. I mean, even, even uh, you know, I believe even the Greens have been accused of like rigging their primaries and stuff. So so um, they're, they're all dirty in, in some sense. Um, absolutely, for sure. Um, so I, I, it's... I just don't know that we revolt against the system by dropping out of it and letting it play out the way they want it to play out. If you're, if you have another whole grassroots agenda that, that you want to sell to me about what we can do now, I, I want to hear it. Like I'm down to hear that, but I don't think that also means Stay home and don't go and vote on this one day or on these one day a year or one day every other year or or whatever the case is. I think we can do that and also plan a revolution. I think we could do that and also have other efforts. I, I don't see them as mutually exclusive. I don't see that. We, like, I'll tell you this. If Bobby Kennedy doesn't get the nomination and he drops out on Election Day uh, in 2024, I'm I'm going with my son next to me, and I'm writing Bobby's name in, and, and that's what I'm doing. It's just, it's just important to me on 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 a big level, you know. And I can do that, and I can still get with you guys and plan other revolutions and plan other things and do other things as well too. I don't think it's one or the other. Ultimately, I would say, Jessica, do you want to respond to that, or have a response to it? Yes or no, and then if not, I'll just go to my part. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried. I don't want to take up too much time because I feel like one. go back and forth. No, do Only it, say this, do like one. to the first half, like about the the cha the positive changes that he potentially could make. To me, like that would require him to win, <laughs> <laughs> which I get. Like you're trying to you're trying to get enough votes, enough people to vote that that would become a reality. But I just don't. I just don't think that that's possible because I don't think the DNC would let it be possible. And I would be, I'm not saying I would like a hundred percent be down to vote, but if he had run as an independent and like rejected the, the framework of the democratic party, um, that would, that would, you know, pique my interest at the very least. Jessica, um, can I, can I ask if he loses in this and then he runs as an independent, what would you think about that? I think at this point, I still wouldn't vote, but it would definitely, uh, it, it would definitely be a difference that okay. would be worth considering. Okay. All right. Maybe, should I go? Yeah. You yeah. Go. 
Yeah, yeah I, don't wanna, I don't want to like. Yeah, this has been helpful so far, Michael, and I'm hoping we don't have a three-hour episode, but we'll see. I think <laughs> we'll just do this, and then we'll cut it, and then um, uh, maybe if we want to come back to this discussion, you know, it, it, you know, we can do that later if you have time, because I, I suspect you'll be very busy. Um, so I think let me say a few things I heard that are areas we differ. Um, you talked about kind of being a single single issue person around the medical freedom. Um, and I, I, that is not, I am not a single issue person. Um, and it's, and I'm not just talking about capitalism and I agree you are criti criti you're a critic of capitalism, but I, if I was going to say there was an issue, it's, it's capitalism has to go and there must be a revolution. Um, but if I was going to host the single issue we're facing right now as facing capitalism, it's not medical freedom. It's the fourth industrial revolution. It's data collection. It's AI, it's blockchain, it's Bitcoin, it's, um, it's surveillance. Um, and I actually see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. At a, I, currently, I see him as very much a person who can help bring in the fourth industrial revolution, support Bitcoin, support surveillance on the border, and making sure that people don't get across the border when he called for massive surveillance. So I already see that, in my opinion, RFK Jr. is down with all the fourth industrial revolution that is going, that medical, that the, med, the attack on our medical freedoms is a piece of, because um, it's only one part of the plank for what they have involved in getting us into a giant technocratic prison. Um, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is I, I'm really glad you, well, brought up Bernie because I don't think elections, elections have a giant reason for the capitalist class. Elections are very important to them. They're, they are giant in ideological interventions into the class as a way of saying, come back home all the time. Come back home. If you want change, come back to us. Um, and Bernie Sanders is a perfect example. Um, after the, the, the WTO demonstrations, after the attack in Iraq and Afghanistan, after the attack on immigrants, after a lot of the brutality, we had seen police brutality, there was a massive amounts of anger that Bernie tried to collect and successfully brought it back into the Democratic Party and diffused it. And you can say, yeah, oh, just vote, just vote for that one day. That's not how it works. People got their hopes up and Bernie's Bernie did exactly what he was intended to do, is get people to not think about transforming the system fundamentally, but getting them to think, come back into the system and come back and think, maybe we can make that change. And it had a giant ideological impact, which now we have a left that supports a war in Ukraine. And I, I'm not just blaming Bernie, but that, <laughs> but that is the inversion. He created that inversion. Those sorts of processes. That of I, people wait, hey, 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 Andrew, does, is Bernie currently a supporter? Of the Ukraine yeah, war, I mean, he supports it. He, he supports is? the the bills that yes, you know, and now that's where they go. A whole new generation has come up that has made this left right thing. And let's talk about the current the the mandates, the lockdowns, the the uh, massive attack on workers that you faced and that I faced. I lost my job as it is uh, from it as well. We have a whole new generation of people who I think were are who came to the conclusion that that the government hates them. They're right that the state hates them, they're right, wants to kill them and is willing to kill their children and willing to like sacrifice them for their profits and for, for pushing whatever agenda they need to push. Something against the MWO, I would just call it profits and, and capitalism. But whatever it is, there was a massive number of people and a growing number of people who, based on their own experience, were coming to see, this system has nothing for me. I'm going to exit and build. I'm out of here. We're going to do the whole new thing. RFK Jr., his reason for running, not his 
the role he's going to play, I don't know Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I think you better know his, but the role he's going to play within the system is to get those people to say, no, come back. Here's your guy. It's fine. Yeah, we made some mistakes, but now we've got a guy who's going to tell you that, you know, well, the pandemic was mismanaged. I think that there was no pandemic. And now we're going to tell you, guy, there's a lab leak. Oh, I'm saying I'm not even sure there was a fucking virus in the first place. You know, I think virology has got a giant problem. Terrain theory makes more sense to me. than, And I'm not saying that that's, that that's right. I'm saying that people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running are going to, they're going to shape, shape the debate and basically say, here's where we go. And frankly, the one position he had that I thought was like, I, I the the biggest reason I liked RFK Jr. is he made me anti-vax. He he was part of me becoming anti-vax. I was just against the COVID vax before, but him and others convinced me, fuck these things, where they're all gone. The fact that most, I mean, I haven't followed his campaign too closely, but most of the things he's been saying, or at least his campaigners have been saying, oh, he's not anti-vax. He's not. He should be anti-vax. Be anti-vax. Stand up for the one thing you convinced me of. So to me, he's very much positioning himself already like Sanders to be change light, which really isn't change light at all. It's actually no change at all. It's actually, here comes this, we're going to defang the resistance that could have been built, the Canadian resistance, the yellow jackets, I mean, the yellow, the yellow shirts, that kind of resistance. Yellow vest. Yellow vest. People yeah. And prepare them for the next round of attacks. That's what, our, I don't think Robert F. Kennedy Jr. thinks of himself that way, but that's the role he's going to play in the system by running. What I would have wanted him to say is say, I ain't running. I'm not, I'm not voting in this system. This system hates you. I'm going to stay doing what I'm doing to change the system, and you should do the same thing. If he would have done that, then I would have been like, I'm all, all in with you, RFK Jr., because you're not, you're not running. And I wouldn't vote for him whether he's – like Cornell West is running a third-party candidacy. No, Cornell, get the hell out of there. Do, stop doing that. All you're doing is giving the system a, a, a facelift and saying people like me can tell you it can change. And as – in terms of the narrative, he's not going. The narrative that he's going to affect is the narrative that the Democratic Party is a party that can be changed and work for us. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to really, and he's even resuscitating our. I mean, his his John F. Kennedy Jr. John F. Kennedy Jr. nearly destroyed the planet in a, in a war, right, with over Cuba, right. John F. Kennedy Jr. maybe sent sixteen thousand soldiers over to, to to Vietnam to fight a war over there and said, I don't want to I don't want to escalate the war, but you certainly should kill Diem. You know, John F. Kennedy Jr. didn't want to necessarily fight a war down in South America, but he was and for all the him talking about CIA being destroyed, no, he he weaponized the CIA to go down there and kill those people down in South America and 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 actually, you know, make the elections go the way they wanted to in Chile and other places and El Salvador and Guatemala. So frankly, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s own history of what he knows his uncle did I find extremely suspect. I don't agree with it, but I do see what it does is resuscitates the uh, Democratic Party. It resuscitates the U.S. as an empire. That's, and that's what he's going to do is basically look at those glory days back when we fought good wars. What? What? We never fought good wars. We were, in my opinion, all those wars were wars of empire, were wars of money and wars of profit. And I get it. He's not an anti-capitalist, but I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to vote for him for that reason. And frankly, I, I can't vote for him because all he's doing is resuscitating the Democratic Party, resuscitating the, the U.S. empire, and really defanging the one hope we have, in my opinion, which is that people would say, no, not even for one day am I voting. They want to get you, oh, just wear the mask today. Just take, just do the shot today. You know, they all, it's always one day with those motherfuckers. No, no days, zero days. You've had all the days you get. 
from now on, it's our day, and I, we, you don't get one day to get the vote. Now, I believe that you will maintain yourself as an activist, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I believe that the terrain is being laid by, again, in this election, for everyone to forget all they thought, all the horrible things that were done and the, and the narrative spinning that, oh, the system's trying to figure it out. Look, RFK, he's being, he's being mistreated. He's being poorly treated and they're censoring him. But look, there's a fight up there that we should be paying attention to. And there's no fight up there. All those people up there, including RFK Jr., are interested in collect. Ultimately, if they're interested, they're going to be part of collecting our data, the fourth industrial revolution, Bitcoin. He was a big supporter of Bitcoin. That means he's a supporter of blockchain. And when he talks about basically making sure we surveil our borders, our borders with all sorts of mainstream tech, I mean, uh, modern technology, that's a surveillance operation. And if you don't think, if it's going to be used on immigrants, it's going to be used on workers. So he should have no illusions about that. So I think the best thing people could do is say, sorry, dude, I'm out. I'm not voting for you. I'm not voting for Coronel West. I'm not voting for anybody. Not one day. We're going to have to figure out our own, our own strategy here. And that, that's, kind of what I'm putting out in, in terms of what's left. What that strategy is, honestly, I don't know. But it, I believe it has to basically seal itself off like an iron wall from anything that they're talking about. Because all they're doing is what um, the, the guy, the, the, the CIA of head, head of Woolsey basically said, that we will know our CIA operation is complete when everything the American people believe is a lie. And they, he was not exaggerating. I thought he was exaggerating. It turned out he wasn't. And now RFK by running is really said, I'm part of that, not part of this. And what's going to happen is more less, there's going to be no, very little change in the system. But what I will say, it's going to change for the bet for the worse, the ideas and the preparations people need to be making for the kind of revolutionary change we need to make. And that's, that's why I think his, I was, that's why I was disappointed that he ran, not just, I'm not even going to vote for him. I was disappointed that he ran because I felt like he he can do better staying out and even saying people don't go in there. Only bad things happen when you go there. So um, one of one of the initially right now, I believe one of the big differences between Bernie and Bobby is is, is Bobby was asked, "Will you commit to supporting the Democratic nominee?" And he said, "No, absolutely not. Why would I do that?" He said, "Let's see who's committed." to free and fair debates and to met democratic principles. And we could talk about this another time. Um, that, that's not what Bernie did. Bernie was totally a shepherd. Um, I would be shocked if Bobby endorses Joe Biden in any meaningful way. Um, Ber Bernie stumped for Hillary and Biden, I think, right? Isn't that actually what happened? He stumped for them. He went out there, he stumped for them. Yes. Um, I don't think you're going to see that from Bobby. Whether or not he endorses someone, I don't know. And if, and if you, you watch this, the hearings, the congressional hearings of Bobby, the, um, the Democrats, they've lost their minds. I mean, it's not a surprise. They are completely, completely insane. And they spent a long time working hard on televised TV to censor Bobby and this committee on censorship during the censorship committee. They act, they had a vote. Let's censor him. You know, I let's censor him now. Let's not censor him. Um, it, it, it's, it, it does have a big spectacle feel to it. I will admit that. And it does feel like really does feel like I'm watching the circus. So I, I do respect that. And I do understand, understand that. Um, but, but, you know, when you bring up, Jack Kennedy 
Um, again, and I don't think I don't think John F. Kennedy was, was a perfect president. But one of the things that Kennedy did was he installed in his home a direct line to Khrushchev. And him and Khrushchev had direct talks. And one of the things that they and they had very specific spies that they trusted that delivered hand delivered messages back and forth. They, and they realized we cannot trust the psychopaths around us. You're de- you're dealing with real potential nuclear war. And some people in the national security state on both sides believe that it was a good thing. And um, I do believe from my read of history that. Um, John F. Kennedy played a major role in preventing that when he had a very dangerous group of, and I think psychopaths is the correct word. And this is a very dangerous thing. We have very psychopathic, crazy people in positions of power and authority that can and do destroy things at, at will and at liberty. And and um, I think that's that's an important uh, thing for us to recognize, because while the system uh, could be corrupt and imperfect and horrendous, it's the system that runs things, that is running a world for billions of people. So to have a person that can be there in critical moments to do good things, I think is actually it is something that matters, is something that is important. And in my mind right now, I think Bobby can do that in terms of uh, increasing the health and life expectancy of, of children and adults, decreasing the dependency on uh, pharmaceutical products. Um, one thing he might come in on day one, if he won, um, and do is end pharmaceutical advertising in the country. That alone there's only two countries that allow it, New Zealand and America. And that alone could have a, a shocking effect on the health and well-being of people in this country. And that's just one of many things that I think he's able to do. On You also um, brought up security state. I think this is an important issue. Um, and on the border, th- this is a tough one for me. Um, I- I've been an immigrant rights activist for a year. I've worked directly with undocumented youth. Um, that I know many who I have, uh, you know, have had relationships with them and their families just come to know them. I've helped to get immigration attorneys for uh, undocumented kids in New York City that were facing deportation or who parents were facing deportation. And like, you know, when people are like, uh, you know, say, say things like, you know, like, you know, lock up all these illegals and uh, whatever illegals, this like ridiculous, to me, it's a ridiculous term. Um, when um, the I I was I always like wonder have, have you had lunch with an undocumented person you know have you have you ever ever taught an undocumented child you know like I have you know and and it, it's a different issue for me um, so it's 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 an issue that uh, resonates with me but I do also see clearly there is an agenda to um, flood this country with. Um, people from all over the world who have various really tough lives and problems and issues and for whatever reason view America as the solution to those problems. But a country, a nation state can't exist like that. Nations have borders. So if we are going to exist in a world of nation states, I believe there should be in a border and I believe our immigration process should be, our legal immigration process should be robust and should be expanded upon. Which that that's what Bobby is saying right now. In terms of the technology, um, the surveillance, you, you're right. He did say that. I did recently hear that he went down there and he spoke to the people that were there, and they did speak about uh, completion of the wall, but also various um, 
technologies that can be used. I'm I'm not sure how I feel on that. Uh, I haven't really analyzed that issue much, but but it is definitely something we have to watch out for. I feel Bobby has spoken out a lot about civil liberties and freedom and our, our freedom to, to be able to move and to control our data. And at Children's Health Defense, we've reported on this extensively. It's something we're covering and we recognize is a crucial and critical issue. And that's the nonprofit that I used to work for and that Bobby, Bobby founded. Um, so I don't think he's going to go in a direction of trying to enable and and fortify that system. And the Bitcoin thing is an interesting one because um, he's come out completely against um, uh, uh, CBDC, central bank digital currencies. Uh, he is against that. Biden is clearly for it. Clearly, that's something that they want, that like they're salivating for that. That's probably the next one of the next things that they want that will be one of one of the worst. Bobby is clearly against it, but he is in support of of Bitcoin and people having the right to utilize Bitcoin. Um, I personally don't have a problem with that. I know many people do have a problem um, with Bitcoin. I'm not exactly sure what the perfect answer is on that. I don't I don't think it should be more regulated. I don't think that it should be abolished. I don't know, you know, the genie's out of the bottle there. It's something that exists in in our world, that exists in our economy. I don't see how we stop it. I think keeping that a free market as opposed to going the direction they really want to go to the CBDCs, um, I personally don't see too much of a problem with that. Um, And one day, just one day, and and um, harnessing the energy, um, I can understand the fear in that. I, I, I you know, Bernie definitely did it twice, um, and I, I I do understand not wanting to get caught up having your energy harvest and put into a into a specific direction, like Hillary Clinton, like Joe Biden. I I do get that 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 that's a horrible thing. Um, I don't know where this goes. I don't know where Bobby's candidacy goes. I, I I really doubt it goes into a Joe Biden endorsement and he's holding Joe's hand up in the air. And I mean, like, like, I mean, Bernie did all that stuff, right? I mean, Bernie was out there, you know, campaigning. I don't see that happening. If it did happening, it would be a huge disappointment for sure. Um, and I guess I um, wouldn't, wouldn't be backing him as strong as I am if I suspected that that was going to be what happened. I'm not as strongly and firmly against the system as you are, Andy, um, because the system is running the world right now. And I don't want to just give up on the world and try to think about a revolution. I've gone to eco villages. Um, I've covered them as a reporter. I've thought about moving to them. I've talked to people that grow their own food and and what that is. Ultimately, if we're going to live anywhere near the way we live now, um, civilization needs to maintain. If we're if we're going to talk about a real power down type of situation, I was involved very much in the in in. Uh, um, well, I mean, I guess could be called the peak oil movement back uh, in in like the late 2000s, um, early, early to late 2000s. And a lot of people were talking about like the end of oil and stuff, which I think is a very real thing we need to think about. But just in general about 
overconsumption and overuse and just plastic crap everything everywhere and just you know consumption society um that that's going to require a true true evolution and revolution of spirit i think before anything else um and um i don't want to just i don't think it's possible to just abandon this system i think all of us are relying on to find sustenance and to stay alive and to see our families and communicate with each other even this platform that we're on now so I don't want to just abandon the system, which is what feels feels to me like abandoning civilization. And I don't I don't have something else. And the lifeboats I've I've examined to hop onto, I don't I don't see how they actually function and work from my own research. Now maybe people have done up more research and have seen, and there's more that I don't know of. And I'll just end by saying I'm certainly interested. Uh, in other revolutions, in non-electoral revolutions, in things that that do buck the system and create new systems and create new organic grassroots change. But I do need to see it. We do need some leadership there. Uh, or maybe I'm just blind to it. Maybe I need people to educate me on that. Maybe I'll just give one response then. Great. Um, I would say, well, first off, I think this cycle that the American working class has gotten itself into, and particularly the addiction to the Democratic Party and the addiction to the electoral politics, has done a lot to, well, has, has done immense damage to the possibility of workers saying, we need to build something of our own. Um, and it, and it, looks like, it looks like we got another round coming when I thought we were actually kind of getting free of it. And that's one of the frustrations for me and why I'm, I'm, I'm dif- disappointed that, Robert F., that RFK Jr. is running. Um, I did, I'll probably just bring up the, the issue of immigration. Um, and you did cite like we, we have a difference in terms of like you, a critique of capitalism, but Hey, I'm not sure we should get rid of it. And I'm, I'm a, I, I think capitalism is the problem, not, not just and that, and it is anti-civilization actually. Um, and then that, mm-hmm. that we're going to have to, humans are going to have to find a way of building something as an alternative. And we will probably have to fight to defend that, um, when, when, if we, if we are successful, but that is the only way that I see forward for humanity, um, as you know, the earth will be fine, but for humanity, I don't see a way forward maintaining this thing that I think is very antithetical to civilization that, which is the system we live under. Um, but I do believe immigration for me is kind of a key because we've been talking to people, or I've been talking to people who are often conservative, who are opposed to passports. We're opposed to passports of going into Starbucks or passports going into work and saying to them, this is the same thing they're doing with the border. This is the same, this is the same mechanism of control. They've just gotten you to buy into it using a national boundary that is made up that really only works for them, you know? Um, And that's, that's how I talk about it. And, and so the, I believe, Michael, by by going in, by going down this road of saying, hey, maybe we need to control these people who are coming to our country. And seeing them as the problem versus the, the really the wealth division that it, really all this immigration, I mean, not the only reason, but one of the major reasons immigration is coming up again is again to, to mask the wealth, the wealth inequality that has, that has gotten even crazier and crazier. That's, that's, it's not only role, but it's a major role it's doing is to divert people from that sort of thing. So 
hordes of people coming in, I don't call that a problem. I say that's people we organize with. I say that's people we try to figure out how do we take the system down because it's the, it's the, it's the system here that destroyed your country over there that made it necessary for you to come here and lead your loved ones. So help us out. And immigrants have a long history in this country of building organizations to fight for a, a different kind of world. They were unsuccessful, but they have a history of doing that. So I would say that to walk down that road of, you know, maybe we do need to do something about our border. You are already walking down the road of accepting passports at that way and surveillance and the tech that goes with it. And that's, that's exactly the role that I see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. doing, which is seducing people into t taking positions that ultimately hurt our cause and hurt us. Um, and I kind of feel like that's an example of one of those, one of those issues that's done it in your case. Um, that's not going to decide you deciding that or you taking that position isn't going to decide the fate of immigrants. But I'm just kind of using that as a, as a way, as how I believe people are seduced away from politics that are pro-worker and pro-internationalism and pro-like revolution and seduce them into a narrative that is anti-worker, completely, completely uh, that the system can use to control us, basically. And that's what I would call that example of. The, the um, just the one thing I want to respond on, I agree with you on is immigration crisis is almost. I think you can always draw that back to the root of American imperialism destroying countries, o almost always. I mean, there, there's other things too, but Honduras comes to example uh, years ago. Mel Celaya, right, was a democratically elected left leaning left leaning leader of the country, over overthrown by by a CIA coup. The country's destroyed. Income all the drug running. Income all the horrible stuff. People are, you know, leaving Honduras, running up, coming, coming for the border, trying to come into the country. I view that as actually the cause of the crisis. You have to stop that. And then you can deal with what would be much more sustainable and normal uh, natural human migration. So, so I, I, th I think we agree um, on that. And I think I think Bobby Kennedy ultimately does as well, too, uh, with with the crux of that. Eduardo. I'm really curious to hear what this guy's going to say. <laughs> let's let's wrap up as we're trying to wrap up with this last okay. one, Michael, and then you'll have the last word, Michael. Um, you know, I I think I think of I've said this before in other episodes on West Left that I think voting uh, could be sometimes useful. For example, on local, especially local yeah. local politics, I especially saw that when we were trying to have. Uh, certain reservations not like well certain um environmental areas protected land where people would not be uh abusing it or even just federal money trying to preserve a certain area of land that i thought was important otherwise you have uh in animals that are only endemic to this region in, uh well i'm not in california i'm in i'm in colombia but when i'm in california that's where I, I vote and I, I, I will try to protect certain places. I've often said on West Left that I don't know if I could I could join a revolution if I have nothing to to what do I have to say? What do I have to say for? What do I want? Like in your heart, you have to be able to stand up for something. And if everything's gone, I won't I feel like I will not be able to stand up for anything if everything's gone and lost and we don't take care of what we have at this time. And I haven't seen a revolution train at this moment. And I would love to jump on one. But if there isn't one, then at this time I'll just have to continue patching the holes of a of a sinking ship until there is one. <laughs> there's a better ship. That's the way I've always framed this. And so I, I have voted locally. 
Um, it isn't until some until recently that I decided to uh, not vote for uh, election, like the presidency elections or any big federal elections. And I, I think this is an interesting case here because when you say that uh, Bobby is not going to be endorsing, well, then, well, that's what you would be very surprised if he did endorse Joe Biden. I, I would be disappointed myself as well. I think in the conversation that I try to hijack the conversation when we have electoral uh election these elections because um that's where everybody's mind and energy is into right now right that's where we are and so what better way to talk about politics and to talk about it during the election season that's what i always say and so i think that this is always an experiment in the way that our democracy works even though i i have a lot of doubt that our democracy really is working um I I I do admire RFK Jr.'s stance. I think it's very hard, as you know, Michael Ken. I think I express this to you, to be someone that's going to be anti-lockdown or anti-COVID restrictions because people will shut you down. And as they did with my community when I was speaking up in San Francisco and I was a person of color and still I was not the right person of color, right? Then suddenly you are to be dismissed and then i saw the the woke left's hypocrisy of that right where they really only try to use people of color and everyone in sf and no one will say this as if san francisco unified school district has said that only white families wanted to come back which was not true because kids of color families of color came back in droves and they have never walked back and stated they made a mistake or anything and they're all over social media having said constantly that white families are the only ones that wanted to come back when black and brown families were the ones in these hubs in San Francisco. Anyhow, I, I, so I, I'm just trying to remind people of the hypocrisy that happens in, in, in liberal circles when you use identity politics, right? And, uh, and so uh, back to the censorship, back to the shunning, my Jehovah's Witness background has been traumatizing. And then the liberal left, progressive left, was also very traumatizing in the in the way that they shunned me. And I was speaking out in Telemundo in Tele, in, in, and speaking out in SF Chronicle and trying to have people uh, reopen schools for my community, Latinos. And um, and teachers felt that it was a threat. So I was, I was shut out. So... Uh, I've always admired RFK Jr.'s stance, and I've always admired you, Michael, really, to, to, to be honest. And thus people being authentic and, and saying what they mean and, and, be, and being out there. And I, have, I, I believe in your sincerity. I do believe in your sincerity, Michael. Um, when you do become someone of, uh, a, when you do become, I've said this to Andy, who was going to be running for vice presidency. No, he ran, actually, who ran as vice president for uh, our, my former union, SFUSD a union, which is United Educators of San Francisco. I, I always said that once you get into power, though, I do feel there is sort of, um, you get sucked into a way of maybe, uh, I don't know if corruption is a word, maybe you just get, you get distracted or you just probably start losing touch with the base, which is us, the working class folk. And that's what I've always feared. And I always would hold people's, to the fire like I do now with my former friends who are now are in the union, who are now elected and who are uh, at this point public figures. So I'm, I'm just kind of concerned about that piece. And I always and I wonder if RFK Jr. was had considered running, running as an independent. Maybe you can answer that now, Michael, you know, if he will run, if he had considered running as a as an independent. I, uh, 
in the beginning of this, he always wanted to run in the Democrat Party. And mm. he believes that in America today, and I, I'm pretty sure he's believed this for at least a decade, probably much more, that you can't make big change in America without the Democrat Party. There's just too many of them. You can't just abandon them and just say, well, we'll go Republican, we'll get them, or we'll go independent or some combination. Um, I think part of what he's doing is recognizing that if we don't have an insurgency and kind of a, a revolution in the Democrat Party, that there's no change that can be made. I I, I, I don't mean to speak for him because I really can't. Right. But from right. what I've gleaned from what I've seen, that's what I think his his position is. I see. All right. Well, um, I, I guess that uh, to me would have I would have liked to have seen a sort of Ralph Nader sort of approach, maybe if, sort of to see what would that have been like. Uh, you know, I was saying with Jess and, and Andy that, you know, Al Gore always famously said, I was robbed of the votes. And Ralph Nader always said, no, I was robbed of the votes. <laughs> but I think, I mean, his family history is like such a point of pride for him. Like, I don't know. I, I hear yeah. that all the time. Like, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. So I, I don't think there, I would not expect that. That's true. Question of who is going to run? At least I want to. I I guess the other thing too, uh, Michael, is just for I I I'm a little undecided. That's to be honest, because not I don't know if I can have Jess in, in Andy's position in the very etched way. Because I I'd like to always throw in a few cards to see what happens into the mix. So it doesn't really hurt me if I just voted for him or not. I will say though, if this, if Michael, you ever get in touch or because if you'll be around those circles, you should bring up excuse me, there's a plane over here. I'm in Bogota, Colombia. I'm very near the airport. It's so loud. And if you ever do you'll be in the same circles around the campaign folk. I would love for you to really question and 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 to to confront the issue of immigration. I'm in Colombia and in Colombia, you know, by the end of 2022, 2.5 million Venezuelans have completed pre-registration here in Colombia, which is a smaller country than the USA. And that's also with 1.6 million in possession of a temporary protection uh, permit. That's a lot of Venezuelans in Colombia. If Colombia could do it, which is a very small country, the USA can certainly do it. And that's where I felt like even his comment about closing th those on the borders, I just think controlling anybody's way of movement is a lot of what Alison McDowell talks about. And, and that's what I fear. And, you know, for someone who has been on the ground and I have been to 30 different countries and traveled as a Mexican, right? Like talking to other people who have to migrate and from my family also coming from an immigrant family and my friends who have, I've had to help and support go through the process of immigration and picking them up from the border, taking them to the north from a southern border and taking them into the northern border, experiencing like uh uh bribery and 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 danger. And then Venezuelans, especially like my Venezuelan friends, they're at the same level of displacement as Ukrainians, but only Ukrainians were given permission to come into the USA. But the UN has said that the displacement is at the same level. Venezuelans and Ukrainians, and only you can see where the international support has gone to, right? So to me, open borders is a very important issue. So I, I trust in your sincerity, Michael, I really do. And I and I hope that if you ever are in that, like, in close contact with their campaign, you do bring up the issue, because I I, I know that you, you know that this is an issue that is important, especially as a teacher who've worked with immigrant families, that 
it could be difficult uh, for us to hear it in the way that he did say it. You know, oh, that's a, that's that's a that, that's a very good point, Eduardo. Um, it even surprised me to hear his framing. His framing was very far away from what I think the Democrat framing of the issue of immigration often is and came off quite conservative. His framing did come off as a, as a very conservative. Um, what I think, and, and I, I hope, and I don't know, I, I've never spoken to, to Kennedy about this. Um, I don't, there is a lot of people, especially conservatives that want to close the border, um, that want to decrease or make zero people that come in. And I do not think that's what Bobby Kennedy is talking about at all. I think what he's talking about is that there needs to be a correct process for it to happen, where you have a legal documented process by which it happens, as opposed to ending up with millions of undocumented immigrants in this country with a date to uh, to meet in court in seven years, which is what's currently happening. That's what the system is. It's kind of a broken system. So, um, but I, I do appreciate your comments about the, the framing of it, because I think I I think you make a good point. It, the way he framed it, the way he spoke to it, su- did surprise me as well. Too, it it wasn't what I was expecting for uh, the way I was expecting him to to bring the issue up. Right. Well, I I I think as we are wrapping up here, um, this is uh, it'll be an interesting election season with yeah. uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Bobby uh, Kennedy. Did you say it was Burn Bobby? The, the, I, I got the Bobby burn. Yeah. I got the Bobby burn. <laughs> I, I, do. I do. I definitely have the Bobby burn. I can't, there I can't any, lie about that. Yeah. There any, uh, uh, Bobby into this mix is, is definitely going to challenge the Democrats. And I will see, I, I don't know if someone as uh, rogue and is always, like always being uh ignored in the mainstream media and you know what happened with bernie and the uh, the democrat convention is just completely trying to uh just dismiss him constantly oh, yeah. so i see that happening uh i i don't know if it can realistically happen but i can i also I have a question about that go ahead go ahead Jess. maybe it's a good like wrapping up question yeah uh, sorry not to cut you as off, we're wrapping up yeah on that exact point I'm just wondering, like, obviously, Michael, you want RK Jr. to win. (laughs) But if he doesn't, which I think is the likely scenario, I don't think the system will allow him to win, no matter how much public support he has. Um, Like, what's your what's your sort of best case scenario if he loses? Is it like I hear a lot of people who still like sort of stand Bernie saying like, well, yeah, he lost. And yeah, like it was rigged, but it shifted like the parameters of allowable discussion and blah, blah, blah. Like, is that, is that kind of what you would see us gaining or what? So, yeah. so no, it's a, it's a good question. First off, I, I'm already excited about what we've gained already. I mean, what the, the discussion he's already put out there is already beyond what I thought was going to happen. So I'm already like giddy over what I've already seen. So that's just me. Everybody's going to have their own opinion on that. I'm already like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's this good. But th- this is the real thing. This is the real, real thing. It's not the presidency. Every true politically powerful movement in this country basically has three things. You have a powerful nonprofit, powerful national nonprofit, or a couple of them. 
powerful super PAC and a network of C4s. So C4s are a C3 is a nonprofit that you could give tax deductible donations to. A C4 is essentially a, a political arm. They especially lobby in the state houses. What I just described to you, the NRA has um, and the DSA has. So whether it's the NRA on the right or the Democratic Socialist, Socialist of America uh, on the left, that's what they have. They have powerful nonprofits. They have major super PAC and they have a network of C4s. Medical freedom is moving in that direction. And when you have that, that's when they have to listen to you. That's when you have a level of, of power and push that you can really have national impact. So for me, I'm watching that for medical freedom more than anything else. And right now I'm speaking as myself, Michael Kane. I'm not speaking on behalf of what I work. But to me, medical freedom as a movement has gone from, and I've seen it, I've been in it, I've been in it before COVID. We've gone from a fringe thing where they just said there's these crazy soccer moms who don't know what happened to their kids and they're just crazy to now we're almost this major national movement. I'm paying that is actually the, the most interesting element of things that I'm watching. In terms of the presidential race, um we'll see. I'm I'm 100 percent Bobby right now. And um I think he has moved the narrative. We'll see what happens. But the president isn't the only thing. That's where I'm putting my effort in right now. But grassroots activism and organizing around medical freedom is my passion. And um, in a certain sense, it's, it's a godsend that I'm not a teacher anymore because now I am in this space and I, I didn't see it coming. I thought I was going to retire as a teacher and, you know, all that stuff. But here we are. So, you know, politics is a multidimensional thing. I'm learning more about it every day. I'm learning more now than I ever have. And um, um, yeah, so so I guess I don't know exactly, Jessica, but that, that's where my mind is at kind of of um, in my learning process and my growth curve here as, a, as an activist. Yeah. Michael, you're here as our guest. You should uh, close out with what you want to tell our audience. Um, this was awesome. This was a great conversation. I love you guys. I love talking to you. You know, I think we have a lot more um, what's left lefties nowadays thinking our way than when I first met you. I think we were a smaller contingency when everybody was huddled in the corner with their mask on and just like cleaning their hands and stuff like that. I think we really have come past that. I think we still need retribution and we need payback for all those who have suffered and all the workers who are attacked so viciously. Um, but I really do think that like we're not as fringe as we once were. Uh, people are either realizing we have we have very valid points to make and to say, or they're shutting up and they're just not saying their opinions. I think we're we're now more of the majority. And man, what an amazing thing that was! Because God, in like 2021 and 2022, I was so scared. It was such a scare. It was the scariest time as an as as, as an American, as a New Yorker. I think I ever witnessed, you know, and, and the thing that's always, and I feel freer now, I feel better now, but it's in the back of my head. I know it could come at any moment. It could come in any, and it's going to come from a different direction. Like people keep saying, there's going to be another pandemic. They're going to do it again. I don't, I don't think so. 
I mean, I remember after 9-11, people said that there's going to be another tag. There's going to, and that's not what happened. It comes a different way. You know what I mean? So um, I guess I stay vigilant because of that, but uh, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to leave the fact that um, I, I'm happy. I'm proud of all of us, of what we've done and, and that we've, we've held the line. We continue to hold the line and whatever you decide or whoever you decide to vote for, um, you know, we, we, we do still have some freedom here. And, and a lot of that came from us pushing back and saying no and speaking freely and making our own choices when everybody thought that that was revolutionary to, to, to speak and to make your own choices. So it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, and um, I hope um, I hope uh, soon we'll, we'll, we'll get back together and do it again and see see where our opinions are at in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, I appreciate long ass election season in this country. <laughs> yeah, I I would just say that um, there's a number of things you've said that I don't think. Oh, I, I oh I don't agree with that. Like I don't agree with that. I don't agree with around immigration. I don't think I agree around the three prongs of power. I would call that more capture than power and blah blah blah. But what I feel like is most important here is I believe that you want a lot of. I believe you you see a fucked up world like I see. Um, you may have a different idea about how to go about right now trying to change it. Um, but for me, what's important is is just staying in conversation with you because um, I do feel like you've put your money where your mouth is. Um, it, 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 even to the point where you said, um, wait, I campaign with that Republican because they were the person, you know, like that's consistent. That is consistent with what you've said here. I'm, I wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying it's not about Republican. I, I wouldn't go the electoral way. But right. I get it. Consistent. Um, and and I just feel like that's what we want to do here at What's Left is we can have differences. We can have big differences, but yeah. it's about maintaining communication. And then later, let's be honest about how things went. Yes. What was successful? What was not successful? Because the world's coming at us no matter what. The world, I do not see the world getting becoming nicer. Um, <laughs> and I do believe we're going to need each other to get through it. And and so that for me, what was important is is you standing your ground, hearing us out, and at the end of the day, being friends and building maybe a little trust. Maybe I know better where, where, where we have some differences, but I can trust you now because you're, I know you're going to hear mine and I know what you're going to say, what your opinion is, like what it actually is. So that's really. Yeah, and, and you know, and you know what, what we just did here is exactly, it's like the cornerstone of what Bobby's campaign is about is let's talk and let's dialogue. And if we don't talk and we don't dialogue, what the hell are we getting into? We're getting into this polarized, dangerous country and world where it's you're with us or you're against us and uh that makes that makes no sense at all uh i i, I couldn't agree with you more andy yeah no i really wanted to i really really wanted to do this for like multiple yeah. weeks. i'm so glad that we did i can't wait till it comes out and yeah. put it out we'll put it you know promote it at teachers for choice and all our platforms and stuff um i'm definitely excited about that yeah well, thanks for coming on, and also happy belated birthday to Andy, and happy early birthday to Eduardo. It's his birthday week. For what's thank left. you. <laughs> well, let's cool. thank you. You didn't have to do that. Just thank you very much. Thanks, <laughs> we get blessed well, when things happen like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's conclude now. For <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Grass. Uh, we were joined by uh, Michael Kane, grassroots organizer for the American Values 2024 Super PAC. Uh, you can find that on American Values 2024.org. Uh, Michael, you uh, 
formerly the National Grassroots Organizer for Child's, Children's Health Defense, and also the founder of Teachers for Choice and the lead plaintiff in Kane versus de Blasio, having been denied a religious exemption request and appeal. Michael, I don't think people know the extent of how the impact that you've had, um, and 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 you have been an incredible force out in New York, and you have a lot to a lot of credit out there for your contribution to the world. Thank you very much. Will Thank you plug the Teachers for Choice? What's the website? How do people yeah. get out the email? Yeah, definitely check us out at teachersforchoice.org. Teachers, F-O-R, choice.org. Um, just go there, click on contact, and send me an email. It comes right to me. I'll throw you on our email list. Um, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we'll find all the links in the episode notes. Uh, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you've heard here, uh, please subscribe, uh, rate, rent, excuse me please subscribe rate review turn on notifications to any of our platforms on spotify itunes podcast stitcher google play uh odyssey youtube or telegram um Romo or telegram you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover contact us through our blog i'm eduardo barca with co-host jessica and andy lipson And uh, we'll check you all next time. Thank you very much, Michael. Ciao. Thank you.